good and loving God. Oh, this suffering and pain. I just want to pour it as an oblation to your heart. Be ye my savior. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. One thing that I love that's very simple is the practicality. Because like this is this is Christianity having an effect on us in every aspect of our life it's like you talk about um how does christianity what is the big deal it's not gonna make any difference if i love christ or not there's not gonna make a big deal if i mm -hmm. um have an active relationship with jesus <sighs> it will change everything because mm -hmm. then he wants to take every single thing that's going on in your heart mm -hmm. every single thing that's going on in your day every single thing in your family in the entire world like he wants all of that and then he wants to change it and, and he, he keeps it, it real. You, totally better. He keeps yeah. it real. He does nothing but keep it reals. He, he's he not is gonna, real. Like yeah, to your point, he the doesn't put up with uh, "Be ye my savior, Lord." Yeah, and uh, if ye, ye will that I shall <laughs> saveth thou my brothers and sisters <laughs> in the Middle East, uh, and uh, and in a way, like I, I think that there's a great opportunity now that uh, you know people. So many people uh, in the church, outside the church, in the wider world, are tabula rasa. They're just, um, they don't have like a lot of preconceived notions about the faith because there's just been a general barren wasteland of teaching about the faith that, that yeah. most people are, are fairly ignorant. And so, um, but everybody is searching for something authentic, mm -hmm. you know. And if this generation coming up um, wants anything, it's for somebody to tell them what reality really is, you know, mm -hmm. and to speak to their actual experience, um, rather than pious platitudes or offer it up or, you know, sort of cliche spirituality. It's like, people won't take that. Give me something I can use. Right. Um, and this is, that's something you can use. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, this is, this is, there's nothing more practical than falling in love with God. Because like you said, Mike, it changes absolutely everything. It, it um, defines what, wake, what gets you out of your bed in the morning. It, it you know, it organizes your whole life <clears throat> to a point where it's like, your dog is dying, and it's not a matter of either man up or this is going to be the end of, like, existence for me as I knew it because right. Montana was just part of my childhood and it's like you know that stuff if you don't have a concrete uh, comprehensive worldview mm -hmm. something as little as a, a, a desolation like your dog dying this is real man yep. it can be a domino rally and knock over everything that's ever been good or sweet in your life sure. and say everything's dying including me mm -hmm. and so what the hell is the point yeah and I think there's a lot of people out there that are in that situation that if you can get them in the tent and say, here's a guy that um, knows your pain mm -hmm. better than you know it yourself. Uh, and he doesn't want you just to 
pack it down among all the other garbage in your heart. He wants to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's good news. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of your little um, hangups, you know, and say, like, I'm going to have to let go. I'm going to have to lay down my weapons that have been keeping him at bay. But that's for my good. Yeah. Not for, you know, he's not going to hurt me. And that, like, the, the lion analogy is perfect for that reason because you'd be scared out of your mind if a lion was coming at you and you had to be like, yeah, I'm going to. I'm just going to lay here and wait and see what he does. <laughs> Come love me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's coming to do that. That's a big lion. I don't but think he's coming to give me a hug so much as... It's so yeah. strange at the same time because it is laying there and it is letting the lion pounce on you and dig his claws into you if need be. Um... Well, I guess that example kind of ruined what I was about to say, but that's not to say that <laughs> that's not to say that Christianity is always super fun and it's always super easy, right? Because that is a huge lie. Because it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are lay down your life and die. Like that's a, well, what we're talking that, about is vulnerability, right? And vulnerability leaves you open to anything. I mean, you. Like, being ordained a priest, I feel like I've given God permission um, to take me anywhere, to do anything to me, you know? In a way, like, my whole life is um, based on trusting God's providence. Like, whoever comes through that door, mm-hmm. that's not my choice. Like, I, I've, not, I've not, you know, built up a network and organized my fear of influence the way I, just the way I want it and so I can climb up a ladder and get a job that I'm shooting for mm-hmm. none of that obtains in the life we've chosen you know uh, because I don't think that that's worth a damn I don't want a life like that I every I told somebody on the golf course who was asking uh, a layperson asking like so you know, what kind of job would you like as a priest? Like, what kind of parish would you want? Would you want to do something else, you know, some kind of other ministry, like mm-hmm. go to a different country or teach or whatever? And I, I just was like, you know, man, every time I've made plans, they have always sucked in comparison to what happened to me. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. So I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Lay down your arms, you know. Stop making plans. Yeah. And sit in a confessional and just see what happens you know that and but it makes your life like look insane totally the objective observer totally an adventure (laughs) i I think of the and maybe a parable just passage whatever when christ is talking about the sheep walking among the wolves Mm -hmm. and like i'm just gonna lead you out into the wolves as a bunch of sheep like that's kind of what it is. Sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you say go, like, here yeah. I go. Yeah. All right, we're going. And you're surrounded by the enemy mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. But the wild adventure that falls to it, and then to see what God does in that situation, is 100% all of the time way cooler than whatever <laughs> we were going to do. Yeah. Like, imagine being that sheep with a sword in its teeth, like, Ha! Charging after the wolves, you know, mm-hmm. trying to stab it or whatever. Like that's what we try to do when we try to make our own <laughs> plans. Like, oh, this is my schedule, and I'm gonna see this guy, and then this guy. 
in your day, you literally have no clue who you're going to see. Right. It's whoever walks through the door. Mm-hmm. That's zero dependence on you. Right. It's only dependent upon who the Holy Spirit inspires and answers to that call mm-hmm. to go into the door and let their sins be forgiven or let their life be shaped in some way by the grace of Christ. Yeah. Where else does that happen? Where I mean, that's... I can't think of any... I'm sure there's somewhere else, but... Why is there something rather than nothing? What you have in, um, you know, everyday American society and probably the majority of Western civilization is, um, it's like a hoop jump, okay? Now I have I have middle school coming, okay, woo, get through middle school without doing something terribly jeopardizing to my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. High school, get good grades so I can go to college. Okay, jump that hoop. Mm-hmm. Okay, now college so I can get a good job. Jump that hoop. All right, now we have a job. My dad works in corporate America. He says the majority of the guys that work for him, all it is is hoop jumping. Yeah. Get these numbers and so that you can get this pay grade and then you can do these things. And it's blah, so blah, uncreative. Blah. It's so unimaginable. I guess that's what the, the low bar is not so much like, um, you know, jump over and do, do something more impressive with your life or more, mm-hmm. more adventurous or more selfless. It's like have a little imagination. Sure. I guess that's that's it. It's like cookie cutter, dime a dozen lives what? is what I see all around me. And it's like, you know, you, to your point, Mike, you didn't choose any of this. You didn't choose what schools you went to. You didn't choose that nope. there were going to be these standards, that this mm-hmm. standardized test you needed to study for and get a really good grade so you can go to some school where they had standards for you. And right. it's like, yeah, that's a necessary part of life, meeting people's expectations. But... Uh, when life gets really interesting is when everybody's telling you, um, you're going to be a priest? What? Right. That doesn't make any sense. And you're like, well, I've discovered a love in my life that I want to build my life around and uh, don't really care what anybody says about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And because I think what you have is when you go through the hoop jump to corporate America or whatever, not to pinpoint corporate America, but down with the man. Um, totally. You have boxed yourself in to not allow life to work on you. Because mm-hmm. when you live in an adventure, life happens to you. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you grow into the type of person that you are. You have these different encounters. That you say, oh, look at this thing that's happening to me. Look at how I react to this. How is this shaping and changing me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of going and like, oh, here's the same click, 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 blah, 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 blah. Same thing every single day. You have boxed yourself into a life that has cut out you know, what percentage of the rest of the world to an experience. So Mm -hmm. you have that one, but then you have the person who realizes that and says, now I have to create my own experiences. And then you have the guy who, you know, goes and backpacks across Europe for three months Mm -hmm. to create an experience because he has an understanding that this adventure, he, 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 he needs an adventure, right? He longs for something. Mm -hmm. The, the story of into the wild Mm -hmm. kind of continuously strikes me where this guy goes off, he, he longs for this adventure. Mm-hmm. He longs for life to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he gets to the very end and realizes, not that I needed to be back in a cookie cutter world, um, which was his initial desire to get out of, but I need relationship. I need yeah. love is the answer to all of well, that. Well, that's the real adventure. That is the real adventure. Right. Because you can't control other people. Right. What he ended up finding out was that he was controlling this whole event, like his whole dream to go to Alaska and everything it was a, his whole narrow dream it's something that's totally self-created yeah it's something but what really turns you upside down 
is when it is God is the source of that adventure. Mm-hmm. And then you have no clue where it's going. And then you yeah. want to talk about real surprise <laughs> and real joy and real love that motivates you forward to the mission of Christianity, motivates you forward to the cross, yeah. turns toward Jerusalem. That's not something that can be self-created. But you know what the, the, the absolute beauty and paradox that's in that is like that adventure and that joy is going to come through our deepest wounds like those spots that we need grace the most i think that's where we're most open to receiving it um yeah i uh i think i was telling you this last night but i had this um experience over over the summer where uh a girl that i had um really liked before i i came to seminary and like it just it never worked out for us to um to date and blah blah blah. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, see the wound is still fresh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I don't. It's always just kind of been like, you know. And I don't know if other guys have this or not, but it was it was one for me that was always like the what could have been mm-hmm. that was just like lingering really bad. <laughs> never had one of those. <laughs> Absolutely. You can tell. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> getting girls to like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. Nope. <laughs> but uh, I anyway. Long story short, I saw her um, over the summer, and it was like, um, it was it was painful, man. Like mm-hmm. it was like daggers just going in, and uh, but what was what was really interesting was that not only was like there that pain there, but there was an aspect of kind of out of nowhere and it was all of a sudden just like flooded in that I had made just a really really bad choice in seminary in going to seminary and like I blew it Mm. and I was supposed to marry this girl and um and it was like it was only for like an hour about but it was it was pretty a pretty hopeless hour to mm. be completely honest with you and uh again like 10 minutes before i was like the happiest guy in same the world. old juice same old juice mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like this triggers seeing her triggers this in me and it was like i'm the biggest idiot in the world because i made a choice and i went like i ruined my whole life because of it and there was no hope and then like you know your rationality can kind of kick in but then relating that to God, the really cool thing was, like, healing came with that. Like, it was kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast was that when I finally was willing to talk about it, because before it was like, nope, off the table, I'm in seminary, like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But, like, when I just went to the chapel and I was like, Lord, you know, this, uh, that really freaking hurt and mm-hmm. didn't believe in you there for an hour or so, mm-hmm. you know, and just, like, gave it to him and let him come in. Um, you know, it's an experience of his love, but then what's cool about that is already, that's only been a few months ago, but already have been able to tell that, tell that story to, um, to a couple of guys that been talking to that are just having like, just having a rough go in life the past few months, like some stuff that they haven't expected has come about and, and that feeling of like just hopelessness, mm-hmm. like this choice that they have made has ruined their life has and you can just tell like the grace that that gives them in that moment 
And so for me, it has been this experience of all of a sudden this wound that was there that I thought I could just get over and, and bury and it would go away. But like when I let God touch it, completely unexpectedly, it's become this incredible source of grace in my life yeah. in a very short amount of time. And uh, so it's pretty cool. I mean, I guess that's a, when we're talking about adventure, like that, it's been pretty awesome to, yeah. to see that, you know, because a, a real, again, it's kind of small and it, it might not be that big a deal to a lot of people, but for me it was big. And like the fact that that's come out of become a grace now, mm-hmm. it's like that's something to thank God for. Well, an adventures cost you something. And when you lose things, you have to mourn their loss. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just refuse to mourn, then you're just another one of those guys that's like, oh, my, someone died, I'm going to go mow the lawn, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to forget about it. Zombie and style. Total zombie, yeah. you know? And that's part of the adventure is when you let life happen to you, you have to really let it happen to you. Right, yeah. And not just ignore it and say, well, what my life's really about is just uh, whatever, you know, is in front of me, I'm just going to do. But to feel it Mm -hmm. and let it hurt sometimes. Uh, Because then if you don't, you know, it's the whole, like, if it never rains, it can't, the sun can't shine, you know? Um, Then those moments where you just get off the freak out and you feel like a million bucks (laughs) are not going to feel as intensely awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't um, let it hurt in, yeah. the, in the times it really should hurt, you know, because yeah. you're being dishonest and, and you like, well, well, it's another ride, you know, or it's another beer mm-hmm. or that's another cigarette or whatever your thing is yeah. to make you feel good. Um, it's just a cheap medication rather than like truly sucking the marrow out of life, you know, because it, when you don't address it for what it is, you're not living in reality. Mm-hmm. For real, you're trying to act like something that's actually going on is not right, which is not the way to experience the world. Um, and I, I think it is really important to clarify as well when you, when we talk about the adventure of um, Christianity, the adventure of life does not does not mean that living in the workaday world or living in corporate America, working in that does not mean you cannot experience adventure. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. Because like you said, the adventure comes in relationship. The adventure comes in encountering this girl, having the sword, the lance in the heart, and then letting God in relationship of love touch that. And having that cycle of adventure go on is not something that comes from, you know, whatever, doing something totally crazy, woo, new, new adventure. Mm-hmm. No, that's letting the relationship of love happen to you. It's real subtle. It's to- totally subtle, but you can do that as a businessman working in an office, mm-hmm. just as much as we can do it as seminarians and priests that are here. It's real. It's subjective, and it's a kind of an act of the will. Because you know, objectively speaking, my life was more of an adventure when I was working for the Forest Service and living in a barracks and kind of like could do what I wanted, but I was out in the woods and doing, you know. But I feel more on an adventure now, mm-hmm. even though my life right now is kind of like driving and sitting in class and saying the mass and and things that are more quotidian you know just sort of daily things but like when you look through the lens I mean this is it when you see Christ 
when you really see him, um, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so your whole life is just lit up. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, just one example. Um, so I'm preaching the Spanish Mass, and it was like one of the first weekends where I hadn't, might have been even the first weekend where I really didn't have time to prepare, like, a text. Mm-hmm. And I was used to, um, at the beginning, and even as a deacon, always writing out my Spanish one because I was really nervous. Like, if I just tried to go on the fly mm-hmm. in a foreign language, I was going to totally bomb and I'd be up in front of people and feel t- super stupid. But I just didn't have time, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm just going to trust it. And I felt more keyed in to, like, the readings, mm-hmm. more keyed into the people that were there. Like, when I started the Mass, I was just more aware of who was there. Mm-hmm. Not that I know everybody, but it's, like, it's the fullest Mass at our parish because there's only one Spanish Mass, so all Spanish-speaking people come to this Mass. And I was just really aware of the people that were there, and my relationship to them. Um, and as I'm preaching, uh, I got into this thing and uh, this one point, and I looked, and there was a woman crying. And it really was like, man, you know, I am saying things, and it's affecting someone to the point where they're brought to tears, you know? And it wasn't like, oh, look at me, you know, kind of like, navel gazing like aren't I such a good preacher mm-hmm. I was more just amazed you know it was like the kingdom broke through you know the the, the amazing thing that it's just, it's a Sunday mass and it's a homily and people have heard millions of homilies you know but it's just a little moment in time and uh, you know I thought later on when I reflected on the experience I was like uh, you know what does she see versus what do I see you know, because I know who I am. I know the stupid stuff I did in high school and college and, you know, last where week. I grew up, what I, you know, <laughs> the stupid stuff I did last week, you know? Yeah, honestly, like, I know that I'm just a man, mm-hmm. like anybody else. But what does she see? Um, a priest preaching the gospel in fancy golden green robes <laughs> in the context of the liturgy which she and I believe in faith is the event where Christ descends from heaven onto the altar to feed her um, with his body and blood. Uh, and that's what she sees, is, is another Christ. And I don't want for a minute to insult her and say, like, well, I know better because I know that I'm just Connor, just a guy like anybody else. Because what's really going on there is true. Like, she does mm-hmm. see with the eyes of faith... A reality that in a way is veiled from me, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think you know I think that if priests could really tell, if we could really know what we do, you know, if we could see what what was really happening, um, it would be impossible, you know, to bear, you know, and we would certainly behave different, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in a way, so God like veils it from us in some ways, but the people can see it, you know. And just reflecting on that moment, it became a fountain for me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and other stuff that happens just on a daily basis. Mm. And it's nothing super flashy. And, you know, in a way, it's kind of like our last thing, like anybody can do this, you know. This right. is the Christian call that <clears throat> you do the act of love in the office, in your family, and, you know, whatever. 
And if you see what's really going on, back to the reality question, if Christ keeps it real, you know, um, that what's beneath the veil for those who will see, those who have eyes, let them see, those who have ears, let them hear, that there's a beauty there that's waiting to be revealed, that's waiting to reveal itself to you, um, rather than just be the robot and like jump through the hoops and I'm just going to get it done and uh, once I get through this work week, I can get to the weekend and ugh, then I have another work week, but then there's another weekend, you know, right. and get stuck in that. Um, get in the pool, man, and enjoy the water. Because what the, the relationship with, with Christ does is it brings us into the, the triune love of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we're brought into that, um, it animates us in a way that the, the best way that I can describe it is like when you see someone who is newly married or has fallen in love, there's something that's physically different about that, about that person. And you can see that they're changed mm. by this relationship of love. Mm-hmm. And that's where the adventure comes in. It's like when you're going through the day and you're constantly thinking about your spouse or you're constantly thinking, not hopefully not us, constantly thinking about our girlfriend or whatever. That's what it is, because it's a spark of joy that it gives us in knowing that there's a dynamic relationship of what goes on, that not only we get to receive that love, but we're changed by it. Mm-hmm. And then Christianity is a life-giving, it, it duplicates, it multiplies itself. And so when we're brought into the triune love of God, and then people get to gaze on that, it's exactly what you said. They get to see an aspect of Christ. They get to see what Christ does to a human being as he perfects us in grace, as he deifies us in grace, that sanctification process. So in them viewing a Christian who's deeply in love with Christ, whether it be a priest or whether it be a lay person, you talk about being the hands and feet of Christ, they're glimpsing at, mm-hmm. at Christ, what he does when he takes over our person and not suppresses who we are, but magnifies who we are to what we were really created to be that's Christianity right yeah. there. That's an adventure. That's something that's both attractive, beautiful, good, and true. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's everything. I said both and named like four things there. Yeah, but that was the money. point came across. No, I, my ordination, uh, the thing that floored me, that brought me to tears, the only thing, the only time I cried was at the beginning of the Mass, before it even started, in fact. Hmm. We, we processed in with the deacons and then we were standing in front of our seats in the front row and I was on the end like next to the aisle where all these priests were coming up who were going to be there for the ordination and the Knights of Columbus were on either side doing the what is it called the full guard or whatever that where they have the hats with the feathers and the and the uniform and the sword Ooh, the swords it was the total you know blowout Knights of Columbus party and they were doing their thing. Procession ends, we're standing up there, and the knights file by on either side. And they walk by me, and I noticed one of the last ones in line was the starter at the golf course. You know, the guy that sits at the first hole, the first yeah. tee, and punches your ticket and makes sure that you paid. And uh, I'd seen him a bunch of times playing golf over there at the golf course, and... Um, he always would say hi and like ask how things were going at the seminary and talk about how he was a knight. Um, and 
So I just got to know him, but he's a, like a normal guy, normal Joe, doing a normal job. Mm-hmm. Starter at the golf course. And I saw him, and I'm like, hey, that's so-and-so, that's the start of the golf course. Then I thought about it. I was like, that's so-and-so, that's, that's the start of the golf course. And it just, like, a flood hit me. And I was, like, just bowled over that I thought, that's the start of the golf course out there. But in here, he is a knight. <laughs> and he's holding a sword because he's protecting the innocent and conquering evil, you know, and doing this dramatic thing that's so important for the salvation of the world. Mm. And moreover, in here, I'm a priest. I'm going to be a priest in like 45 minutes, (laughs) you know, was my thinking. Like, just the great dream that God has for every one of us, Yeah, you know. And it was just apparent to me in the sort of ordinariness of his life where I had encountered him and the extraordinariness of his life in this place, the church, um, in this context of the, the mass, which was not just a mass, but an ordination mass, like just the drama of it all was overwhelming what God has dreamed for every one of us, you know, and that I'm wrapped up in this now in a, in a really cool way, a really amazing way that God knows what's going to happen to me tomorrow. But I know that he wants me to be his priest. And whatever that means, God knows. I have no idea what that means, you know, for me. Uh, I have some idea or imagination of what the future holds for me. But it's like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Because the ordinariness is great. But unless it's pierced through and magnified by this other lens, then it's like you're missing out on the sweetest stuff, mm-hmm. you know the real cool part about living life. Yeah. Um, and that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, and to get to your point, Vianney, about how the, um, the priest isn't able to gaze on himself um, like everyone else is, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know, I'm not a priest yet. Um, but Vianney says that if a priest could see what he actually was, he would die he would from die. joy. <laughs> he said he would die. It would be so overwhelmed of the beauty of his own ontology being changed as a priest of Jesus Christ. He would die. So I hope that doesn't So it's better that we don't. Yeah, it's probably better. All right, I think my computer's about to die. I mean, the million dollars. Oh, look at that. Million dollars of recording equipment. Yeah. There we go. That's some gold money. That was cash. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Down.